Welcome to the first episode of At the Point of a Knife. I'm your host, Eric Navaretti. Each episode, I'll sit down with the writers, producers, directors behind the modern era of horror and explore their inspirations, setbacks, and what it really takes to make your favorite films. Today, I interview director Andy Palmer, whose recent releases include Badlands of Cain, a horror thriller which draws inspirations from Hitchcock and The Twilight Zone, and the gory horror comedy The Fun House Massacre which features Robert England, Clint Howard, and a Halloween-themed funhouse that's had all of its performers replaced with escaped serial killers. Ooh. Let's get to it. Dahmer and Bundy and Gacy, they're just the ones that got all the press. We house the ones that you whisper about around the campfire. Let's give the boys a tour of their new playground. It looks like a killer scene tonight here at the Macon County Funhouse. We may need crowd control. That is right, Dr. Dave. People are literally losing their heads to get in here tonight. <laughs> Let me guess, your friend's been murdered at the Funhouse. I hate Halloween. Oh, you mean the deranged serial killers who are pretending to be haunted house characters and killing everybody? Ah. Miss, are you dead? Let, let's get started. Sounds menacing. <laughs> at the right. point of a and at the point of the knife tonight is Andy uh, Palmer. <laughs> there we go. Uh, cutting to the heart of the yeah. horror film. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, Let, let's get a little bit of background on you, actually. Sure. Um, so you're the director of this. Uh, you've already directed a handful of other movies. Mm -hmm. um, I saw actually another one of those uh, earlier today. Find me. Sure. That was my first <laughs> my directorial debut. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe walk me through a little bit. So you've been a You've directed a few features already. Mm -hmm. How did you get that process started? How did you get uh, in that door? I really fell in love with directing when I was in college. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. Um, and... Uh, and uh, and then I got to college and I met actors, like real actors, kind of came okay. from a small town, and I was like, oh shit, you were talented, I am not. So, but I like what you do. We should, right. I should do something else. And then <laughs> I'm also kind of a tech, like I, t I love tech stuff and everything okay. like that. And at the time, that was like really when the DV revolution was taking off, you know. Okay. And um, and so there was this idea that you could get a DV camera and with FireWire, mm. you could plug it into a, you know, an iMac. And you could edit, you know, right, right there. And it was like, all of a sudden, everything was like super possible. You didn't have to get film stock and mm -hmm. transfer it and stuff like that. And so, um, so that was the product. Like that was those, the convergence of those two things coming together, mm -hmm. uh, getting to play with actors and then also getting to kind of, you know, um, get to play with gear too. And okay. then, and then that was, that was it. I was really obsessed. When I was a sophomore in college, I, um, I read Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew, which sure. is like, you know, that's like, that's like <laughs> wannabe filmmaker 101 book, yeah. right? Because it's so inspiring because uh -huh. he's like, right at the beginning, he's like, you are a filmmaker, you know? And, uh -huh. you, and you're like, yeah, I am. And I read the book in like two days and I remember very declaratively like putting, you know, closing the, the book and, 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 mm -hmm. and going to my parents and be like, I think I should not go to college next year. I think my tuition money should be used to make a film. Uh -huh. And my dad was like, just 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> they weren't as old. You no, know, yeah, they, they really didn't. I was like, well, if you read this book, and he uh -huh. goes, you have a lot of books to read, and they're at college next year. And I was like, oh, okay. But no, it was. I mean, he was very wise. I, I, because if I would have made a film at that age with zero mm -hmm. experience, because the thing is, what you never realize what Rodriguez talks about is the dude was literally making these movies when he was like five and six years old. Like mm -hmm. by the time he made El Mariachi, he had made a thousand short films, right? right. And you know, uh, and so he was seasoned by that time, even though it was mm -hmm. his first feature. And I was, I was not. I remember the first time I tried to like shoot a close up of somebody with my DV camera, and I was like, why doesn't this look like it does in the movies with the yeah. the, the blurry background? Like not knowing anything about sensor sizes or you know mm -hmm. uh, shutter speed or you know. Uh, exposure, anything like that, just like pointing a camera at somebody. Sure. So it took that kind of like that. There's like a basic. Through. Yes, you know, learning about it. Need. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm very fortunate that my mm -hmm. parents were like, shut up, go back to college, and I, I did. I would think that there's a, an amount of just like life experience too that you, totally. would, you would need in order to direct people on how to react to a situation. Uh, yeah, you, you learn a lot about it you know different people in different scenarios and you have different adventures that kind of lead you to that place so yeah i mean i feel very fortunate so then i really got into editing because i did i did when i was in college i did do a short film i wrote a film uh -huh. and we shot it like every weekend for you know uh you know i don't know how many weekends and okay. by the time i pulled it into adobe premiere 1.0 uh -huh. and i started editing i was like what like why did i shoot all this crap this is <laughs> short was this short is film? nonsense <laughs> you know it ended up being like an 11 minute short film that I okay. shot every weekend that like I was like but why did it you know and so mm. I really became obsessed with the idea of like shooting to edit this idea that like mm. you know to to break down a scene and be like what are the basis parts do I need to tell this story mm -hmm. and what can I get rid of so then I really got into editing and that's kind of it kind of all spiraled there from there as I got started it. assisting and then mm -hmm. I moved up through editing so I would imagine that that informs your directing style totally a bit because you're not you're not overshooting you know exactly what you're going to need I feel really really lucky and 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 blessed that that's kind of the road that I went because especially when with independent film I mean find me we shot in 12 days wow uh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, you know and even a fun house we shot in 20 with you know okay. hundreds of extras and 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 yeah. you know a cast of six villains and all these you know mm -hmm. we, I mean it was very very tight and there is always a point where your AD goes to you and says dude we're not going to get through this today figure it out mm. and I would say if I wasn't an editor that's like not in the cards like as a director I'd be like I need all these things because yeah. I I went in needing these things but as an editor I just take a step back and I pull my scripty aside and go okay if we here go here and we cut here and we move here and I'll just do a transition to here and you just kind of like you just cut it in your head real quick and you're like okay uh -huh. you can get rid of these four things and then all of a sudden you make your day and your mm -hmm. crew doesn't mutiny and, and everything like that so uh -huh. yeah I feel really lucky that I did that uh, let's talk about Funhouse for a moment yeah you guys had a blu-ray release pretty recently we did how's that um, coming came out something it, it's really going well um, amazed at how well it's going I always like to kind of keep you know what's going on Twitter what's going on Instagram and uh -huh. stuff like that I really like to interact with people and you know anybody that takes the time to buy something that I like worked on I'd like to you know right. be like hey man thanks for picking that up I appreciate it mm -hmm. and the response has been really good and a lot of like I bought this blind today I don't know what uh, it's gonna be about and I go 
I'm totally biased, but I think it's awesome, you know? <laughs> and, um, and yeah, the, the reception's been really good. People have been uh, liking the movie, um, and Scream did a great job. They did a great job yeah. putting it out. So it That's was, awesome. Uh, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. It was cool. Okay, so talking about Funhouse for a moment, you had 20 days to shoot it. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you had to think of things on the fly. Totally. Create solutions. Yeah. Do you feel like that made the final product a little bit stronger? It always makes the product stronger. That's the uh -huh. thing is that like when you have that kind of pressure, all these like kind of divine things happen when, uh -huh. when you're up against it, like all these fun things. Um, uh, m one of my absolute favorite parts of the movie, uh, it's right at the beginning when Miss Quinn comes in, she shoots mm -hmm. the security guard, she goes around and she bashes him in the head and I have this thing where when we had it storyboarded out, it was a series of four shots where she pulls off her wig and she drops it, uh -huh. and then she walks over to the monitors, and then we see the guys break out, and then we see Jerry coming down the hall, and it was like four or five shots where right. we were way, way behind. You know, I said to myself, how do I get this done in one shot? And then all of a sudden it became this thing where we, we see her pull the wig off, but not totally off. Camera tracks, goes up to the monitors. Yeah. We see everybody break out. I don't need Jerry in the hallway. I see him break out. He's on the monitor. What do I need him in the hallway for? Right. And then we just literally come back down. By that time, I've been like, all right, she had somewhat enough time to put the makeup on <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, our, in our fantasy movie, sure. sure. And all of a sudden, four shots became one shot, and I think it's one of the coolest shots in the movie. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you just start, you just start thinking like, what, what do I basically need? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, really good ideas come out of that. Same with mm -hmm. uh, when Doyle shoots Rocco, you know, the kind of Indiana Jones like yes. homage, right? <laughs> yes. It was literally like that in the script. It was. Doyle fights Rocco and then these guys dressed up as the Blues Brothers fight Rocco okay. and then all these jocks jump in and it's like it was like this giant battle royale uh -huh. which yeah I mean I think visually that would have been very cool but we'd seen him battle a bunch of people before and right. so it was, again my first AD came to me and said you have two days to shoot all the crowd scenes I can tell you right now you will not get to Rocco's fight scene so figure something out and so wow. I was sitting in the laundry room at the Marriott in Dayton, Ohio, going, I'm just going to have him shoot him Indiana Jones style, and that's going to be hilarious, and yeah. people will think that's funny. And it, and it, it worked. I remember that moment, and I thought to myself, like, oh, this is a deliberate mm -hmm. reference that mm -hmm. these guys made. I had no, no idea that that was actually just a solution to a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know, it became a thing. And and for that type of movie, this movie that is just nothing but homages to other movies, I was mm -hmm. like, Sure. Why not? That's you know just one more, mm -hmm. one more fun homage to you know to eighty cinema that we kind of based <laughs> the entire the entirety of our film on. So. Yeah, nice. So Deputy Doyle, uh, yes. Ben Ben Begley, right? Begley, Begley. Yes. Here mm -hmm. we go. And Renee Dorian. Uh -huh. So they're they're both in the movie, but they also were the people who wrote the story That's and totally the script, true. right? Yes, yes. So they're married. They're married, mm -hmm. and um, and I actually had met Renee. Um, we produced a movie called Awaken, and she was uh, she was one of the co-stars in it. Okay. And you know, I just loved her energy, and she's funny and mm -hmm. uh, and stuff like that. And then we met Ben, and Ben and I are like we share the same brain. Like we're okay. literally like Damon Chainsaw from summer <laughs> school. Like right, like, like we are just like two halves of the same whole. Uh -huh. And so we totally hit it off. And then um, uh, I helped produce and directed a couple episodes of a web series they did called Cludeless. Okay, and and then. A couple years later, Ben said, hey, I got this script, and hmm. I know you guys are making movies. I'd love you to take a look at it. And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, you know. Uh -huh. And then I read it in one 
sitting and I never do that. I'm the worst. My, okay. my producing partner, Warner Davis, gets pissed at me all the time. He's like, you need to read this script. And I'm like, I know. And uh, I read it in like three parts over three days. Okay. That one I just, just plowed right just through. Just plowed right through it and I loved it. And Interesting. I emailed Warner at like three in the morning and said, we must make this movie. I don't know how <laughs> we will do it. We've never made a movie this size before, but uh-huh. let's do it. Was it, uh, I mean, just a quick question. Was it titled The Funhouse Massacre? Yeah, that never, has never changed. That, oh I, right. I, 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 they knew every, it from the beginning. <laughs> so my first movie, Find Me, was originally called Hide or Seek. Okay. Uh, my second movie that I kind of came in late on and co-directed, uh, Alien Strain, which comes out in like a week, oh, um, awesome. was called Butterfly. My third movie was called Welcome to Kane. Now it's Badlands Kane. Never had a movie that mm-hmm. has the same title except for Funhouse Massacre, uh-huh. which at the time when I read it, I was like, we're gonna have to change that title. <laughs> it's plowed right on, right on through. So awesome. there you go. So when they wrote, I mean, when they wrote this, did they have the intention of playing the characters? Yeah, because yeah. they they're they're actors first, you okay. know. And that was like that was kind of the the conditions of us optioning the script because we okay. they, they let us option the script for free and try to shop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the thing. Like if you option the movie for free, we get to be, you know, mm-hmm. we get to play these characters you know mm-hmm. and um and they were they weren't specific like we had talked about renee being dollface we had talked about um ben when he wrote the script like uh-huh. wrote the script he wrote his the character of morgan for himself because okay. doyle at the time you know doyle was you know he would be maybe a little young for doyle you know but okay. by the time we got the movie made mm-hmm. he slid into doyle better than than um Ah, okay, than, for Mor- than Morgan, you know. That's so strange because he's so he's so good at oh, oil. But, but, but I, that's I but like written for But here's the thing: is so that's the other thing is like if you read the script mm-hmm. as it is on the page, mm-hmm. it's Ben in in twelve different characters. It's like it's like meet the it's like meet the clumps, right? That, right? Yeah, that and so it's like, yeah, and so it's like <laughs> that was a big thing that we had to do was pull the bendness out of a lot of those characters especially morgan because they're so they're so similar and when Mm -hmm. matt came in he was really different than like he read it really different than anybody else had read it, especially different than ben okay you know there's still kind of snarky humor but he just his delivery is totally different than ben it's you know um and so that's why matt was just the clear choice to play play morgan but we did we had to kind of pull the bendness out of the Mm -hmm. the script a little bit and not not in a bad way because i think ben bagley's the funniest human on earth and that's why i loved the script but it became very apparent as people started reading you're like okay not everybody can deliver the same way that you right, deliver right. so we need to kind of move this around okay yeah. interesting um I, I noticed in um in find me um that the the two leads in that one also oh yeah wrote. every movie was it was that like every, every movie that i've ever situation? done yeah it's the exact same because okay. when you're starting out you can't afford to option scripts like that's not like a thing for us like mm-hmm. you know especially find me we shot for fifty thousand dollars i don't there's no budget in there to, to pay to option a script so right. it's this idea of like finding people uh and i think it's more especially because i'm looking for stuff to direct because a lot of people that write they want to direct it too so yeah. it's it's hard to find scripts that that don't already have it doesn't already have a a, a director attached mm-hmm. so the person the people you go to are actors because they just want to act in it uh-huh. so yeah so cat and uh and and cam had written uh, find me, and mm-hmm. we really liked it, and it was the exact. It was really the exact same thing. Badlands of Kane, same thing. Rochelle Demaria, uh-huh. who was in Find Me, and also right, right, she right. wrote the script, and so that's kind of the, uh, you know, uh, yeah. It's just you know, it's just like when you're starting out. That's just kind of part of it. Okay. Um, for us, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's for everybody, but it certainly was for us. So. Uh, I mean, that seems pretty fortunate though, because you you have um, you have scripts that are coming to you. Yeah. 
um, and and these people are getting a chance to star in a movie. Totally, so. and I think it's a, I think it's a good trade off. And I will say that like I've gotten much better at. I, I didn't handle things amazingly and find me because mm -hmm. as a director you're always making you know you're always making changes you're you're taking something and you're like okay I'm going to either for budgetary reasons or something like that I'm gonna kind of shift this to a story that I that I want to tell mm -hmm. and my big mistake in find me and 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 Kat and I you know um, Kat and I kind of went back and forth with a lot of stuff is that I just wouldn't tell her. I'd be like, oh, so I'm going to change this to this. Because uh, in my naive mind, I'm like, well, I'm the director. I can change whatever the hell I want. Okay. But that was her script and her character and everything like that. And yeah, I yeah. didn't, like, I didn't respect that process enough. So then when I came to Badlands, uh, I, even though Rochelle and I went back and forth, it was a much more easygoing experience mm -hmm. because I prepped her a little bit for it. But there was even one night where... I, I needed this, it was this long, like, three-minute dialogue scene, and it all oh. took place around a gas station. And the the, this, the filmmaker means, like, I can't have just two people over the shoulder, over the shoulder for three minutes of sure. exposition. I need movement. So I designed this whole, like, little steady cam shot. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why would I follow him around? And so, like, the filmmaker means, like, because it's okay. boring to watch somebody. <laughs> but I understood, yeah. like, from a character perspective, why are, you know, mm -hmm. so I have to kind of come up with those things. And then you fast forward to to Funhouse, and I was really explicit right right from the start of like, uh -huh. here's some stuff I want to change. What do you guys think about this? And then it was mm -hmm. it was no problem. So it's a lot of learning for me because okay. I wouldn't have to deal with that if they were if it was just actors. Like I had the script. Yeah, if the writer's not on set, then totally, you, you can change it a little yeah. more easily. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is that you, as the filmmaker, you, you found points that you wanted to change. Uh, with each script, but that that open communication yeah. has gotten better with each. Production. Absolutely, definitely. It just it, it's not that I was never a bad communicator. I was mm -hmm. a bad communicator at the time mm -hmm. because for me, when we were starting out, uh, especially with Find Me, mm -hmm. in my mind, as I read the script, I would be like, "Oh, I'm just going to change this down the line." Okay. But what I should have done has been like, "Hey, I want to change this right hot now," <laughs> you know, okay. and then. And then we kind of figure it, and then and then by the time we got to shooting, it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Funhouse, I went in everything that I wanted to kind of tinker with. Sure. Like, things like, hey, I think that there, it feels a little too much like something Ben would say. We need to change mm -hmm. Christina's dialogue a little bit here. I just said right up front. Okay. And then, you know... Um, as opposed to doing it later. So, what, what was that process like then? As you're doing that, are are you um, are you like sitting down at a word processor yeah. and writing those pages? Are you giving it to them to do? Um, a little above? with with uh, with Funhouse, um, we did like a, a very long writing session, like uh -huh. uh, like a 12 hour session one day, okay. and and we part a bunch of stuff down because even at the, the the first version of Funhouse was way too big for our budget. We knew that, so we part okay. some stuff down. And and then I did like I did you know what I call director's pass. We just did a director's pass, and then I sent it to Ben and A, and they were like mm, here and here, but not here and here. And I'm like, all right, I'll give you this, but mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep this part and stuff like that, you know, because you still have to like you know you still you still have an idea of like this is at the end of the day this is my story. It still right. rests on my shoulders, you know, and okay. stuff like that. So uh, yeah, so you fight for the stuff that you think is really important to the story that you feel maybe the writers are too close to. It's like a little too precious for those. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then 
and then uh, you kind of take it yeah. from there. But yeah, I always do like a little director pass on stuff. Yeah, I mean, as, like I my background's um, in writing for the mm -hmm. most part, and so like I understand like that phrase, you know, you, you get a murder, your darling. Mm -hmm. Like things are precious sometimes. It's like, but I, I like it when you know he has that five minute long cup of tea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And nobody yep. else will like it. Yeah. Yep. Um, learning to let go is definitely hard from, from both sides of that director and writer yeah, yeah. perspective. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to the editing too, where it's uh -huh. like, that's what I did for 10 years was sit there and go, what is the most important part of the story? Mm -hmm. And let's get rid of everything else. Uh, with find me, I've always kind of, I've always cut my stuff out of necessity. I, you, Directors should never edit their own stuff, but mm -hmm. it's hard to find somebody with my experience that we can afford. So I always go in and then mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of reverse engineer it where I, I do the initial pass and then I bring my editor friends in and go, watch my movie, what's wrong with it, you know, sort of mm -hmm. thing. But the first six days of cutting Find Me, I was like, it's the worst movie ever. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I don't even know if we have a movie. Like I was like really, really panicked because yeah. it was the director me sitting there going, well, when I shot it, I wanted it to look like this and I wanted it to be like this. Mm, mm. Not the editor in me going, dude, you screwed that up. Let me fix this. I will find mm. other things to pull from, other reaction shots, other yeah. you know, pacing, get rid of this scene, you don't need it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, so honestly, it took bourbon for, yeah. for me. Uh, but now I'm <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But now it's like, now I'm, 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 I've gotten better at it by just okay. leaving that fat ass in the door and being like, hi, have a good time. So, good job directing this. I'll be, I'll see you in a couple months, you yeah. know? And then the editor of me just takes over and I, I'm much better at not getting better attached. at changing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just being like, dude, just see what's best for the story. Yeah. And you know, you guys can that's, fight over it later. That's amazing discipline. <laughs> you can do that. Cause I like on a, on a level, I understand that like that's necessary when, you know, like I've, I've written a project and then I'm also producing it and yeah. it's like, well, that's not exactly how I laid it out on page. Yeah. Um, like just having that, that ability to take a breath and walk away from it for a second yeah. and go, well, here is the actual problem at right. hand. Right. How do we fix this? Never mind, you know, what your intentions were, yeah. you know, in pre-production or in the writing stage or any of that. Yeah. That's hard. Uh, the thing that I always harken back to is, and I told Ben, Ben this a lot during Funhouse, is no one will ever see hmm. what your intention was on the page. Like if yeah. you change it, it doesn't matter. The audience is never gonna be like, well, in the script, it did this because yeah. how many people are honestly gonna read the script? <laughs> Well, what is it that you look for then in a in a project? What was it about Funhouse that just screamed out to you and said, I, I need to make this thing? It, I'm a fan, like I'm a fan, like I'm, beyond being any kind of filmmaker, because I'm really not, like I'm, I always look at myself more like an entertainer than a filmmaker. Like I'm not okay. a big artist guy, right? You know, sure. like I'm never going to do probably an Academy Award <laughs> movie. Okay. I'm a movie fan. Like I yeah, love yeah. movies. All of Funhouse was just this like, it was just, it was 90 some pages of, look at how much we love all these movies yeah. and wouldn't it be awesome if we just smushed them all together into, mm -hmm. into one movie and not in a, not in like a parody sort of way. Right. It wasn't I like a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really cleverly done in the way that it was like this love letter to all these movies, but it mm -hmm. played straight. It was still its own story, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't a mash of all these things. And so that was it for me because I was just all the fanboy in me was just like, oh my God, this would be so funny. Oh my God, this would be so gory. Oh my God, yeah, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So that, that's it for me. But in general, I mean, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a big story guy. And the, the things that I always look for, I don't need a movie to end happily. Okay. Uh, 
Badlands Kane does not end happily. Mm -hmm. um, spoiler alert: it doesn't okay. end happily. <laughs> but I, but I don't, I don't like movies that end with no hope. Like I don't like, like mm -hmm. even if something ends sadly, there's always this kind of like. There, I, I always need like something to be like, hey, it could get better beyond when after the credits roll. It okay. could get better for the main character down the line. That's why I always I dislike horror movies that kill everybody off. Sure. Because you're like, what the hell did I do with all these guys for the it's whole time? Exhausting. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's like, what was the point of sitting through that whole film? Right. That Who point? did I journey with? Like, yeah. wh like, why did I make this? Why did I make this journey? But even if it's just one human being that makes it through, I'm like, woof. At least I made it through with this guy. You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> at least he'll his life will go on. Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, I just I, I look for I just look for good, interesting stories. I mean, you said you're an entertainer. Would you consider yourself a a horror film guy in general, or is that just what you've kind of yeah. found yourself doing so far? It's funny. I've I've grown to love horror, and especially beyond loving horror movies, I love the horror community. I yeah. love the horror community. They, it yeah, is they're a good it's, crowd. they are the best <laughs> crowd in the world, um, because they love. The movies they take a vested interest in the movies and 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 beyond. I mean, we were at that signing you came to the yeah. other day. People had VHS copies of Ice Cream Man and they were having mm. Clint. Like, what other like who's taking VHS copies of yeah. you know of Notting Hill to like Hugh Grant? <laughs> like, I need this, you know. Um, so a, yeah, there's there's something like so yeah. endearing about it. But I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, so a they scare me because I was never Still. like yeah I was not like deconditioned to that. Like okay. I think when. When you get to watch horror movies when you're five years old, by the time you're a teenager, nothing scares you. It takes about a thousand films. Yeah, yes, and then you start right. To yes, get the I'm, I've gotten better. I've gotten much, much better at it. But I still like. I, my wife won't go to the theater to watch a scary movie with me because okay. I'm like the hide my eyes guy. Like I, I don't hide my eyes. And what I do is I wear a hat and I bring the bill down oh, that's and I wait subtle, for yeah, yeah because like that tension just it unnerves me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I've learned to like love that, but when I was getting into film, mm -hmm. the movies that like I loved were mm -hmm. uh, I loved Rodriguez's stuff. I loved Kevin Smith's stuff. Sure. I loved. I'm one of my favorite movies of all time is she's um, uh, she's the one, which is uh, one. Edward Bur Edward Burns' sex second movie. Okay. Um, and I, I I mean John Mahoney and Mike McGlone, Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz. It's mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a good movie about this you know this family and okay. and stuff like that. Where's your sister? From the director of the Brothers McMullen. You're never gonna make any real money. Look at you, you make a pile of dough and you're miserable. Hey, I'm not miserable, okay? I'm dissatisfied. That's what makes me a success. Comes a comedy about two brothers, their relationships with women, and one very awkward situation. Excuse me? <laughs> Those are the movies that I kind of wanted to make. Like my first movie that I wrote mm -hmm. was called The Bottom of the Glass, and it was all about. Uh, I wrote it with my buddy Levi uh, and my buddy Matt, and it was all about these these guys that were just about to graduate. And one was going to medical school, mm -hmm. and one didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. One had never gone to college, and it, it took place on the last day of school, and they were throwing a big party. Like yeah. those were like the the '90s kind of like yeah. movies that I wanted to kind of make and stuff like that. And then I later, you know, as soon as I started like. Looking at horror and, and stuff like that, I really hmm. got much more into it. What was it about horror then that started to draw you in? If, if you didn't have a background, for, so for, from the filmmaking perspective, we had produced my uh, Warner and I had produced a, a drama that my buddy Derek uh, wrote mm -hmm. and directed called Awaken, 
and it was, you know, he had gotten the money for it. It was a really good story, and we couldn't. It took us so long to sell that movie mm. because you know dramas they just they don't sell if you don't have like name cast and stuff like that. Sure. So we're young filmmakers, and we want to like you know we don't want to like burn investors, and so we were looking at like what are the genres that that do well. And horror traditionally yeah. is a genre that does well, and so we just kind of dove we dove into it, and mm. but I feel like so happy that I did because I, yeah. I it was it, we went in kind of under like hey you know these are a little bit easier to make they're a little easier to sell yeah. and then I was like shit man these are these are awesome stories everything that I've mm -hmm. ever wanted to tell in any sort of comedy or anything like that I yeah. just could you just shift right into that you know mm -hmm. so if I'm remembering this correctly I think Raimi um, when he got started and he did he did Evil Dead, mm -hmm. um, he didn't want to necessarily be a horror guy either. Right. Like he he was also like scared of horror films, but he knew this sells. Yeah, and uh, hey, we can scrape together the money for this. There's so. there's I think a big part of being a filmmaker is knowing mm -hmm. what kind of filmmaker you are and knowing what your natural skill set are. Because mm -hmm. the guys we always look up to are the Michael Jordans or the LeBron James or the Kobe Bryant. So the dudes that like went right out of high school right. to the pros, right? So it's like Soder for me it was Soderbergh and uh, um and uh Fincher and um Tarantino and those these are all guys that made right. Kevin Smith. They made it really young. Mm -hmm. And and they literally had one movie and then they were in the studio system and yeah. hall hallelujah. And we all kind of aspire to that but you never realize that like those dudes like Tarantino is a genius mm -hmm. like he is Kobe Bryant like he thinks on a different level and shit like that so i'm not i'm not that talented i'm not as talented as he is mm -hmm. so for me i had to really look at it as like the long game right i had to be like right. i'm going to make a movie for as little as humanly possible so that i can go make another one and get better yeah. because my first movie is okay it's not great like i think i have a a, a a certain amount of skill set in telling stories and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but I look back at it and go, oh, there's a million things I would have done differently. Sure. But I made a $50,000 movie that made its money back so I could go make another one and go make fewer, you know, less and less mistakes. And I think Funhouse has less and less mistakes, but there's still, I, you know, I'm back and I'm like, yeah. I wish I could have done this and It's so like hard that. to look at your work, though, and not see the imperfections. To totally. Yeah. It is. But if you can do movies that, that lead you to just mm -hmm. being able to get back on set again, you yeah. know, that's, that's for me is like, I, I'll get better every single time, but mm -hmm. I'm not like the guy that's like, I'm throwing everything into this one. This is mm -hmm. my one. And if it doesn't work out, then I never make a movie again. That's, that's the okay. scary, that's a scary thing to me. Yeah. So, so was Awakening, I mean, you, you guys made that, um, it sounded like, you know, that was a film that you guys were proud of. Um, but that didn't necessarily open doors for you as much as uh, well, you know, uh, we per, you know, it was weird. So it came out, we did that right at the tail end of like the home video craze. Okay. So like we got it into like blockbuster. Hollywood had already gone oh, under, God. right? Hollywood had gone uh -huh. under blockbuster was hanging on mm -hmm. and we, you know, went on blockbuster and stuff like that. Um, but then it was like, but literally like, I remember going to the Blockbuster on mm -hmm. Burbank Boulevard that's now a fucking paint store, you know, like, <laughs> and it was a paint store yeah. like two months later, you uh -huh, know, it was like uh -huh. one month we were holding our movie, like, we're so proud. And then two months later yeah. it was a paint store, you know? Right. And so we, it was just like a weird timing. And then the fact that it's a drama and stuff like that, it just mm -hmm. didn't quite, you know, send us, uh, you know, uh, send us over the top. Um, so yeah. And you know, um, 
but it's a good it's a great story it's a, mm -hmm. it's a very it's a you know it's a beautiful love story and I'm so so proud of the movie mm -hmm. um, but yeah it didn't quite kind of get us but we didn't know anything we didn't know how to market ourselves we didn't know Twitter we didn't know any of this I mean now yeah. it's like there's so many ways to get your your stuff out there that we didn't we didn't know about mm -hmm. or, or wasn't even Maybe a it wasn't thing. Even available yeah it wasn't yeah. even available you know mm -hmm. so things d definitely change um, just for the uh, younger listeners, by the way, Blockbuster was like a red box, yeah. except you could walk into it <laughs> yes. and rent movies. It was a giant red box. <laughs> it was like walking into the box, and on the shelves were these. I mean, dude, I just I miss video stores. Yeah, I do too. so much. I somebody um, on uh, I can't remember if it was Facebook or Twitter tweeted me a picture of Funhouse and Family Video, which is like nice. the last. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like the last big video store chain left, and I was just like, oh my god. I mean, I remember just, having I that dream love, as a kid. Yes, dude, Like, yes. wanting to have my movie, you know, on the new totally, release shelf and totally. all that. Totally, yes. I mean, I lived at this video store called Rick's Video when I was a kid. I mean, mm -hmm. Rick was so nice to me, I'm sure I annoyed the shit out of him, because mm -hmm. I would just... My parent, my mom would just drop me off, and then go, like, grocery shopping or something, because I just... Mm -hmm. I would be in there for two hours talking to this guy about movies. <laughs> and I, I, maybe he liked it because I, you know, like, uh -huh. you know, in in retrospect, like, what else are you doing? You're sitting behind the counter yeah. and stuff like that. And how how old are you at this point? Ah, uh, he's probably like middle school, you okay. know. But man, I remember like talking to him about El Mariachi, and he had both versions. He had the subtitled version mm. and the um and and the dubbed version. He's like, you have to watch the subtitle. Don't watch the dubbed <laughs> version. That's crap. Uh -huh. I was like, okay, I'll get this, you know, and, and mm. stuff like that. Um, yeah, man. Like that was like there was magic in video stores, you know. Yeah. Seeing that bo that beautiful box art and. Mm -hmm. I miss it. I do have to say, uh, Funhouse does have uh, some pretty good cover art on it, though. Definitely, we got we got really blessed because we had like a decent budget, and so we hired. Um, uh, I wanted to my, the, the the one of my favorite favorite movie posters is the Big Trouble in Little China poster. Okay, uh, and so that's like when I met with Blood and Chocolate, I said, mm -hmm. "That's this is what I want." And if you yeah. actually look at the Funhouse theatrical, <laughs> yeah. there's. A lot of elements that are similar to the big okay. trouble. I'll have to put that side yeah, by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take um, another look at you'll, it. You'll definitely see some similarities, and they, they made it their own and stuff like that. But that's what I wanted to go for. Uh, and it was funny that when Shout picked it up, we mm. reached out to Shout because they do this amazing like yes. retro cover art, and I was like, they'll appreciate our poster. Mm -hmm. And then they called, and they're like, yeah, but we have to sell this to Walmart. We have to sell it to the big box stores, and they want real horror looking stuff so mm -hmm. then they did just Rocco kind of solo which it looks really really cool mm -hmm. but it doesn't I don't think capture the essence of what our movie is oh that's right and then yeah. they were awesome because mm -hmm. Cliff uh, over at Shout goes dude I like your guys' poster so we're gonna make it a reversal yeah and and so many people online like on Instagram have mm -hmm. like reversed it to the other side and I'm like but, yes copy yeah. <laughs> in my house is the reverse one yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's so it's the fun one. Yeah, yeah it's super fun yeah um, so that was a really fun experience working with like a proper mm -hmm. poster because I like I did the poster for Find Me like you know and okay. and uh, uh, we had a really cool poster artist uh, Jonathan Perez for uh, Badlands of Kane which yes. is just it's just <laughs> awesome like that poster is incredible mm -hmm. um, so that was fun that was a really fun experience too for you with Funhouse what how would you measure it being a success um, I think it is like I mean right now I mean. I have no idea monetarily how, how mm -hmm. the film is doing, um, but we're certainly picking up traction like we've never picked up before, people okay. reaching out to me. Like the other day, um, uh, the screenwriter who I just tremendously respect like followed me on Twitter and I was like, holy 
shit. Like, like I was nice. amazing, <laughs> you know. And I tweeted him, and I'm like, Mr. So and So, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I love your movies and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, so it's definitely like, it's definitely elevated us. We've we've had mm -hmm. a lot of different opportunities and stuff like that. We have a project that we're closing in on right now um, that we're going to make a press release this week with a, you know, a huge name as our EP and stuff okay. like that. Awesome. So it's like it's really opened a lot of doors and i think that you know we we we're very getting our investors money back is really important to us i think almost to a fault okay um we we really we take pride in being able to try to pay the people that invested money with us back you know yeah uh and stuff like that and i think i think we'll I think we'll I think we'll be fine, um, but I don't I don't know. This is so it's so different than all my other films, which were all micro budget, you know. And this one, okay. you know, it's low budget in the term of, of film, but for us it was like a huge amount of money. Um, so we'll see, like we'll see where that all adds up. But in 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 the regard of like being able to like open doors and meet new filmmakers and have new opportunities, it's been like I got a manager off on house, like that's okay. like, awesome. you know that was that was huge. I'd never had that before and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So. You had some tremendous talent in it too. I yeah. mean, Robert England is featured prominently in the opener. Yes, he looks amazing on that original cover art yeah. too. Yeah, and for me, as somebody who grew up with horror, I mean, like that would be a dream come true. It was a total. Yeah. Um, How did that even get started? Was he like the intended person? He was totally the intended person. Okay. Um, from the moment I read the script, okay. um, and I heard Warden Kane's voice, I was like, oh my god, we should try to get Robert England for this because I mm. knew. We had one investor that had said, hey, I love horror comedies. If you guys ever get a good horror comedy, let mm. me know. I can come up with this amount of money. Okay. And so I knew what we had. And then I read that script, and the script was way, like, it was way bigger than what we had. And so, the, but I also had to be like, all right, but, you know, what can we do to, you know, kind of circumvent that a little bit? And Kane mm. was perfect because he's in the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, we could get him because we'd only need him for a few days, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So when we met Emily Schweber, our casting director, I said, I want Robert England for Warden Kane. Mm -hmm. And she goes, okay, all right, well, we'll reach out to his people and see what they say. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they were, the, his, his, his agent was open to it and stuff like that. But what sealed the deal was actually Robert Kurtzman. So Kurtzman yeah. had come on board to do makeup because mm -hmm. we were shooting in Ohio and his, his shop's out there now. Okay. And so we had gone out to location scout and meet with uh, the Creature Corps yeah. and go through the script, break down the script. And England called Robert Kurtzman while we were like literally in the room. Uh -huh. And, um, and, and so we did, we broke down the script and then Bob pulled me aside and he said, Hey, listen, Robert just called me. Mm -hmm. Uh, he wanted to know, like, are you guys cool? Is it, is this a project that he should do? He's yeah. got to go to Australia right after. He wants to make sure it's worthwhile. He's like, you guys are great. I'm excited for this. I told him he should do it. And then liter we literally got the call uh -huh. like two hours later from his agent saying, yeah, but he's in. That's incredible. So Kurtzman, it was, it was really kind of due to uh -huh. him that was like the tipping point. We, we, we might have gotten him regardless, but sure. but it was that endorsement from That's sort of, yeah, that's an endorsement being like, something. Yeah, exactly. How did you get Kurtzman involved? Um, we, we just called him. It was okay. like, Funhouse was so funny because I think a lot of a lot of times our naivete is is like... Because well, they're we, like on a pedestal. They, they totally like, are. Yes, they totally are. Um, and it was one of those things where we just... We just go, like, Warner and I's, like, philosophy is, like, we just kind of turn what ifs into why nots, you know? So okay. it's like, what if we got Robert England in this movie? Why not? Mm. What if we got, what if we asked Robert Kurtzman to do makeup? Yeah. Eh, I probably won't do it, but why not? You know, like, we just, we just throw it out there. And uh -huh. we thought with our budget, 
that Kurtzman wouldn't touch it. But the coolest thing about Kurtzman mm-hmm. is that he gets he so gets that like he mm-hmm. gets movie budgets and he's not afraid of budgets at all. So okay. we we sent him the script and he sent us a bid and we were like, oh my god, that's too much money. We can't afford that. And we were like kind of bombed. And then he called back and said, if you guys are open to us like changing stuff and like trying different things. Mm-hmm. Like, we can bring this down. What do, what do you guys have? Wow. And okay. so we said, well, this is what we budgeted. Uh-huh. And he's like, ah, all right. Well, let's, you know, we'll find some room there. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, from there, it was like, we can't do this. This is a little crazy. Okay. We can do this. And a lot of times their, their we can do this was ten times better than anything we thought of. Uh-huh. And so it was like, like uh, when uh, fake Rocco gets his face ripped off by yeah. Rocco. Mm-hmm. That in the script that literally says we it's, were it's, it's amazing right yeah. yeah in the script it literally says Rocco grabs fake Rocco by the face and squeezes cut to so oh, that wasn't okay. even in the thing and, oh. and Becky Ingram who was you know our, our lead makeup person goes wouldn't you want to see his face get ripped off and when we see him wearing his face later in the, th- yeah. in the thing and uh, and I was like yeah can, is, I mean can we and she's like no problem like mm-hmm. it was like all those kind of things where I was like it you know became all these things. I had this really, this the one thing that got nixed, mm-hmm. but but we had something that was a thousand times better than it later. Was I had I had this scene where uh, over by the fence line, mm-hmm. this this like guy charges Rocco and Rocco like picks it like picks him up and throws him in the air and then like swings the mallet okay. and just disintegrates him. Like I just thought there was be like I just thought I had this like awesome visual where it's like he he throws him in the air, uh-huh. swings. Body explodes and yeah. then we rack focus to Doyle like in the background, just uh-huh. eyes big as blood and guts uh-huh. are going everywhere and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And they were like, "Dude, that is a catapult and a harness and a this yeah. and a that." And and so we just, you know, we 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 didn't do that, but we did a thousand other things that were just as cool. You have so many uh, like decapitations and yeah. head explosions yeah. in the movie, like the. So that's that another Kurtz, so yeah. that's another Kurtzman thing too. So mm-hmm. we're at the meeting mm-hmm. and we have two people get their head cut off, right? Yeah. A blonde-haired kid and mm-hmm. a blonde-haired girl. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting at the meeting and Kurtzman comes out and he goes, "Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to my son Louie yeah. and my daughter Sadie. Uh, <laughs> they both go to the performing arts school. They're really uh-huh. good actors. Uh, and like, and not in any way like you're gonna put them in your movie. It was sure. all like." I'd love you to kind of read, you know, read them. Uh, I noticed that you have two decapitations. I have molds of them already. So that's wow. going to save you okay. thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. but no pressure. And okay. I just stood up and said, welcome to Funhouse Massacre. <laughs> you know, but it was welcome like, it's, to the stuff, team. Yeah, it's yeah. stuff like that where you're like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that where they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't mm-hmm. go out of their way to try to save you money and stuff yeah. like that. And so Louis was in it and Sadie was in it and yeah. they get their heads you know, one gets pulled off, the other gets sawed off, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. Do you think that's an element of the horror community? Yes, totally an element of the horror community. Yeah. It's so it's so tight-knit. And, and, um, People are just really nice to each yes, other. Yes, they are. In this they too. are. It's yeah. like more so than a lot of other genres and fandoms and all I, that. Like 100% horror people agree. People love horror people. They do. They do. And it's a funny thing. The thing about horror is... They they all love each other. They love the they love the community and stuff like that. They go into movies with a completely different view of the way other people go into movies. So mm-hmm. when I go, you know, when everybody goes in the movie, I take my wife to the movie or something like that. We go into a movie wanting to like it, mm-hmm. but because there's so many bad horror movies out in the world, right. horror fans go into a movie wanting to hate it mm-hmm. because they just 
they can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. So you have to win horror fans over. But uh, when yeah, you do, yeah. it's a thousand times more rewarding an experience. Mm-hmm. Like a thousand times more rewarding experience because you've taken them from, oh, this is going to be terrible. Like my mm-hmm. favorite tweets that I get from people are when they go, dude, I expected this to just be <laughs> shitty, cheesy uh-huh. movie and you totally blew me away. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like that's yeah. like, you know, uh, to kind of like, have somebody 180 like that is like a huge compliment and so yeah but then once you've won somebody over they're like I'm gonna tell my 10 friends and they're gonna tell their 10 friends and we're gonna have a screening party and and, and stuff like that then they they just rally around you and it's, it's incredible no other genre does that if you could go back if you could, if you go back to let's say that first feature that you were you were working on mm-hmm. uh, Find Me, right? Yeah. Knowing what you know now from all the other projects you've worked on, what, what's the one piece of advice that you wish you could have given yourself back then? Tension takes time. Mm. That's like my new mantra. Because I'm not... I think there's guys that are really gifted at, at crafting tension. Mm. I'm not. Um, and I look at Find Me and Find Me feels rushed in a lot of scares. Reactions feel... And it's all, that's all on me. That's nothing. Cat is a, Kat was an incredible actress. She is an insanely good actress. Mm-hmm. I rushed stuff because we had 12 days. Sure. And I felt like I could pull it together in the edit. And mm-hmm. that is not true. Tension takes time. And mm-hmm. so what I would have done is scrounge together 10000 extra dollars to buy me three more days in that house mm-hmm. to have her walk slower, to shoot more POVs, to really mm. shoot B-roll that like just made something in like tense you know mm-hmm. um and not like jump scares are quick yeah. but but jump scares get really old really fast and stuff mm-hmm. like that tension right true tension like oh my god what's gonna happen that takes time to film and so like that's what i would mm-hmm. do differently did you budget uh, enough time for funhouse no well see funhouse was different because um it's not maybe not it's so much not, a tense I, I, and, and i didn't and, and i and i thought when I read Funhouse, I think Funhouse read a little bit more scary than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read it, I was like, I was like, I want to make this super funny and super gory because the movie yeah. that really did that, I thought, amazingly well was Tucker and Dale. Okay, yeah. Uh, I loved that movie, and I loved the fact that they didn't they 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 took you know items of ten, up tension and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they never. It wasn't truly scary because I think that's a huge. That's a huge ask for an audience, like to be like, I need you to be terrified, and then two seconds later, laughing your ass off. Like I think that's yeah. a huge spectrum that never will ever feel even. You mm-hmm. know, like con- consistently. I think that like you look at Scream. That to me is a horror movie that has comedic elements. There's right. there's moments of brevity. It's still it's still a scary movie. Kind of have to be more one. Than the right. Other. You have to be more one than the other. And I thought that Funhouse was so scary or so funny mm-hmm. that I was like, I'm doubling down on the comedy. Yeah. And and I think what will pair nicely with comedy is a lot of over the top fun gore gags. Yes. You know, and so I'm gonna leave scary kind of out with the win. And then it's funny, the people that are the most critical of Funhouse, the people that don't like Funhouse, mm-hmm. that's that's the chief complaint is it's not scary. You know, and I think yeah. people go into it going, they want it to be scary, and then it, it's not, and for them it like it doesn't deliver. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it didn't. We didn't. We didn't fake it. Like we didn't try to be scary. It wasn't yeah. like we failed in a lot of, you know. I think the expectation is pretty clear. Like from the trailer, right? And, uh, and that's we yeah. were very, 
if you watch the international trailer, it's so yeah. funny because the international trailer is very horror oriented. There's not near as many jokes. Oh, okay. And stuff like that. And I'm like, man, somebody in Italy is gonna watch this and be like, what? What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is garbage, you know. But um, but 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 when we worked with um our trailer house here, I was like, mm -hmm. this is a comedy. The guys that actually yeah. edited it was the same people that did Dead Snow, which to me is a great horror okay. comedy too. Yeah. And that's why we picked them. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the exact same editor, in fact, that did the Dead Snow two trailer. Okay. Um, and I was like, because he got. It. Like he got that kind of like set it up, mm -hmm. ooh spooky, oh no funny, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. And we were that was important for us. What's the movie that you want to make? Like, what would be your dream project? Yeah, that's a tough call. Um, man, I because I have a I have a lot uh, right. and a lot of like weirdly different, um, sure, like weirdly different reasons and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I don't. And also, maybe I don't know if I've. Mm -hmm. Found that one yet? I have a horror comedy that like uh, that is like really close to me. That this would be like kind of like in the horror genre would be a, a dream. I worked at a golf course when I was like going to be a freshman in college called uh -huh. the Maroon Creek Club, and it's this really. I, I grew up in Colorado near Aspen. A world. I grew up a world away from Aspen, but it was about 15 miles away, right? <laughs> okay. Right. And so I worked at the Maroon Creek Club my going into my freshman year, and this is like this is where like the rich of the rich in Aspen go and like mm. play golf, and like, these guys are just like it was just like Caddyshack, just a hole <laughs> members, sure. and a crazy cast of people that worked there. And so mm. I as I would sweep out sand traps because that was my job mm. for like seven hours of my eight-hour shift as I swept 242 sand traps on the on the golf course every morning. Oh boy. That's all I did, sweep sand traps. That was my job. And I, I thought of this movie called Dark Pines, and it basically centers around this exclusive golf course that's mm. all walled in because the owner wants to keep the riffraff out. So it's sure. like a fortress. And but he he makes his money his real money he makes in like dumping toxic waste. And he has a deal go wrong, so he has to dump all the waste in his uh in his water in his water hazards and all the members get infected and they turn into these crazy <laughs> mutant monsters and all the caddies and waiters and waitresses yeah. and greens crew have to fight their way through the golf course uh -huh. on the one exit and it's just like this battle royale you know it's basically caddyshack yeah. and Shaun of the Dead sort of a thing that sounds amazing right how cool is that, that. Yeah, yeah I gotta make that that's like my dream horror project so good uh -huh. oh good alright I already have I already have a vote for, for cool one. if people want to learn more about you about your, your films what's the best place I'm, to catch you on Twitter, I'm at PetrieAndy, uh, and I'm very like Twitter mm -hmm. happy, um, and I like to talk to anybody and and uh, good or bad, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hit me up, tell me I tell me I'm fun, tell me I suck, I don't care, I like to talk to people. Uh, and then PetrieEntertainment.com is our website. You can check out all our movies on there and links to all the trailers and the, and other stuff that's out. And mm -hmm. so yeah, that's that's probably the best place. Okay, Funhouse awesome. Massacre on Facebook, all that good stuff. Cool. Well, uh, I want to thank you for, for coming in. Thank you for having me. This has yeah. been so much fun, man. This, this has been great. Um, for people that want to follow us, we are uh, at the Point of a Knife on Facebook and uh, Point of a Knife on Twitter. Sweet. Um, I'm going to follow that right when I get home. <laughs> right, awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I hope we can chat again soon, and I, I look forward to, uh, you know, all the I'm all the in any time, and I'm also excited to read some of your stuff, because now I didn't know you were also a writer. Now I'm, oh. now I'm, in, now I'm intrigued. Perfect. Not an actor, right? <laughs> no, not. Brilliant. Do you want to direct your own stuff? That's the problem. Ah, <laughs> I'm one of those rats. guys. That's okay, because <laughs> I also like to produce, so, you know. <laughs> cool. We'll, we'll talk.
All right. That was Andy Palmer, director of The Fun House Massacre. Next time, I'll be sitting down with a unique director's collective. Frankly, if you've spent any time on the internet in the past 10 years, you've probably seen at least one of their videos. I'll be talking with the guys behind the popular site and YouTube channel, 5 Second Films. We'll talk about what it took to build that brand, how they transitioned from that into crowdfunding their first feature, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, and the importance of making sure your cast doesn't get eaten by bears. At the Point of a Knife was created and hosted by me, Eric Navaretti, and produced by Renee Amador. Logo and title designed by Jonathan B. Perez. For more of his work, check out jonathanbperez.com. At the Point of a Knife is an Automaton Creative production. For more of our work, visit our site, automatoncreative.com. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.